This episode is sponsored by ShopPortuguese.com, home to unique Portuguese-inspired gifts like funny t-shirts, jewelry, books, food, and so much more. Visit ShopPortuguese.com and use code RPortuguesetable, all one word, for an additional 10% off your total purchase. And as always, shipping is free. Welcome to our Portuguese Table podcast. I'm Maria Lott and these are in Green Bean. And I'm Angela Samoz, and we're just two chicks dishing about Portuguese food, culture, and what it means to be Portuguese. So grab a glass of vinho or um copo de café and join us as we talk about our favorite foods, reminisce about growing up Portuguese, and interview some of our community's most successful chefs and food writers. So, so sit, sit down, down at, at our Portuguese, Portuguese table. table. Hey, Maria, how's it going? Oh, going well, Angela. Good, good. I'm really excited about today and our I know. Um, our guest who we have on, we have Joey Bat Sweets. Um, yeah, this is going to be an exciting um exciting podcast. It will be. And so I so I'll just tell our listeners we're doing a little bit of a preface. It's a little non-traditional setup today because as you will discover, Joey's a talker and before <laughs> we got a chance to do our intro and everything, we just boom, we just ran with it. And so we just kept going and uh had a great great conversation. He's a super super guy. Yes. We know that you guys are going to love this podcast. But anyway, yeah, uh, wanted to do an official introduction of who he is. So it's Joey Batista who of Joey Bat Sweets. Go on to Facebook, go on to his website and check him out. Uh, but that's who we're talking to today. Yes. And so without further ado, here it is. Here it is. Well, so I just want to make sure I get the uh, the name of everything. So Joe is your first name. What's your last name? So my, re- my official name is Joseph Pedro Fernandes Batista. <laughs> okay, but I don't think anybody calls you that, right? <laughs> no, but nobody calls me that, not for as long as I can remember, because I was the youngest of, uh, well, there's a lot of Joes in my family, so because at the time I was, you know, the first one, you know, I was the first kid, the first one that made my grandparents, grandparents kind of thing, they started calling me Joey, and it kind of stuck with me, uh, you know, ever since. I, I literally have never been called Joseph, unless it's like... Well, you know, some, uh, we could call you Joseph today. I mean, we could. <laughs> we really want, yeah. But Joey, I like Joey. I have a cousin, Joey, well, so we're good. You know, here, here it's always Joey, and in Portugal, they usually call me Giuseppe, which I'm totally fine with as well, too, so... <laughs> yes, you've got to do the two names when you're in Portugal. Absolutely. Right, exactly. Because there's so many Giuseppe's. <laughs> I mean, there's so many of them, so... Well, I, 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 was, <laughs> I was hoping you, you were going to say they call you Joey. <laughs> well no so my my grandmother she doesn't ever say joey she just says oh you know it's just a half it's the half. It's oh the my god so hysterical <laughs> that's awesome and it's in your company well i know the name of your restaurant is joey bats sweets right Right. And it's, it's not actually a restaurant. This all kind of started pretty weird uh, in a sense. So like I, I mentioned earlier uh, that I worked in, I was an IT engineer for, for several years, about 11 years uh, to be exact, moved over to sales engineering after moving to New York five years ago. And then I was, uh, before I left to do this full time, I was working for a tech startup out of Porto called Venium, uh, oh, which yeah. was really exciting. Hello, yep. So I was uh, doing business, uh, business development here in New York. Uh, but it gets to a point where all I could think about was how can I sell more natas? What can I do? You know. <laughs> but the way it started was I my uncles have uh, a restaurant in Ludlow, Massachusetts, where I'm from, 
and it's called uh, Call Me Collins, right? Because, you know, it's a joke around the table growing up. <laughs> you know, like, what is this? Like, Call Me Collins, you know? Scott, <laughs> so, Scott, that uh, means eat and shut up. Yeah, eat and shut up, right? So, so several yeah, years ago. listening to this right now, it means eat and shut up. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so several years ago, uh, you know, we used to joke in my, like, as I had the benefit, it was, it was a blessing to be able to have uh, lunch every day with my uncles and my grandparents, my mother and my sisters and things like that on a daily basis. So we used to always joke around and call it, call me call it. And then, you know, my uncles worked in construction. So they bring in their, their uh, coworkers. And before you know it, a Tuesday uh, lunch could have 15 people. Uh, and it would regularly get out of hand, but somehow my mother always had plenty of food for everybody. Right. So that's kind of how it started. And then I bought the domain name thinking someday we'd have the restaurant fast forward Two and a half years ago, my uncle bought the old Montalegre and, uh, you know, open, call me, call it, still open to this day. But my mother, who's the genius around all the food and recipes, she was making all the desserts for the restaurant. And one of them in particular that sold like hotcakes, it still does, is called the Bolo de Washa, right? Uh, pretty standard oh, yeah. Portuguese dessert. Yeah, we, I um, love that one. Right? So... And I was thinking, I was, I had always thinking, like, I had to do something different here in New York. You know, I have all this potential around me. Business is booming. Like, what can, what can I do? You know, and I was like, you know, if we're selling a lot of bowls of lasha to Portuguese people, it's got to be good, right? If you're selling cannolis to Italians and they're buying them like crazy, then you know it's a good cannoli. That's right. So, right. So, uh, before my trip back to New York, once I had my mother make me a full cake, uh, and I drove it down with me, brought it to a cafe, an Israeli cafe called Spiegel on the corner of 2nd Street and 1st Avenue near where I live. I brought it in and I said, hey, pass it out to all the regulars and just, you know, let's see what the result is, you know, the feedback. Well, I literally had to learn how to make the darn, you know, cake that week. I mean, my mother gave me the recipe. It took me a few tries, but I finally got it to what I would say, you know, uh, up to snuff. (laughs) And, and, you know, I just kind of started like that. If you look at my old Instagram photos, uh, you know, I, I was making cakes and selling them to different restaurants around the city. And then I decided to put them in little, uh, like, to-go cups uh, that are popular. Like, you get a yogurt parfait in the bodegas here on the corner, uh, or the little convenience shops. So I started selling them to those. And then I was like, and all this was happening at the end of, um, towards the middle end of 2016. And uh, then I was like, well, if I'm going to really start, you know, making this, you know, taking this seriously, uh, we need to start doing other desserts and obviously the most popular one, because if you go to Portugal, you're 100% going to have a pastel mata. So we started doing that and I was doing them at the little fairs here and there. I have some pictures where I was standing in the middle of freezing cold down in the financial district. I sold like 20, 20 natas and I'd be out there for six or seven hours. And, you know, feedback was good, but like there wasn't, people weren't, they weren't like, if I was describing them as Portuguese pastry and egg custard, and they just wasn't it wasn't attractive sounding. So I decided to change the way I describe it to the Americans, and that would be: imagine a warm creme brulee wrapped in a flaky croissant. Oh. And it was a it was head over heels mm-hmm. different. Everybody was like, "Oh, I gotta try that! I gotta yeah. try that!" Is so like that I said, it went. <laughs> We went from selling, you know, maybe 20, 30 of them uh, on, a, on the street to selling, you know, I got to play, I think I sold like 3,000 of them in, in Mineola, my first festival, Portuguese festival in one day. Oh my God. Uh, which was great. And, you know, we have them, we have them pre-baked and flash frozen. So they're kept frozen, good for up to a year. 
Uh, oh, wow. the beauty, and, and just kind of to give you a little, and I can give you uh, a little background as to all the festas we did and, you know, how well we did and things like that. But it's important to me, not only that to keep things very authentic in Portuguese, to promote the Portuguese culture and the way that I was raised and, you know, you guys were raised is, is it's a, you know, it's a proud, the pride thing. And I, I like love hearing stories about like, the, you know, like you're the Azorian green bean and the Portuguese kids and all this stuff. And there's not enough exposure in the American market outside the Portuguese communities. So yeah. the objective from the get go was to try and get this thing sold everywhere, not just in Newark or in Fall River or in Ludlow or in Milford. It's great that it's been well received, but I'm going to keep pushing because I want to sell it everywhere else. So that's kind of how this all started. And I only realized that, you know, it could be a full-time thing after that Maniola Festa when I was like, all right, wait, we are really, this is, this could be something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. By the way, guys, I can talk your ear off, so you got to cut me off. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that moment, I mean, in selling 3,000 queijadas de nata in one day is absolutely the, the light bulb goes off and goes, Hey, I think I've hit something. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, we didn't, we weren't prepared. Uh, I think I brought like a couple hundred thinking, you know, it's Portuguese and, you know, they'll buy like a dozen at a time. And so I think I had originally brought like five or 600 of them. And then I had to send my mom home to the, to where we have our freezers where we keep the stock. And, you know, I told her like, like bring more, bring a lot more, you know, we have a freezer to keep them frozen. Let's just see what happens. Worst case, we take them back with us. And we just, it was incredible. And and then it was just like, after that, it was like the light turning on, you know, like every fair we were going to, we were selling at least non-Portuguese fairs. You're selling at least 500 of them. Some of them, you know, like Bryan Park, we'd sell five, 600 of them. Uh, knowing it was nice, but it was all about exposure to the American, to the non-Portuguese mm-hmm. market, totally. which is what I really want to try and, and, and get to. And I think that we can yeah, do And it. you know what, you know, Joey, I think that's, that's the key thing right there, what you're saying. Right. It, you're absolutely right. You know, we, we know in our community that this is what we know, this is what we have, but the key thing is to get it out of our community into the non-Portuguese hands so that they can all of a sudden say, hey, yeah. what is this all about? Right. What do you mean Portugal? Oh, I never thought of Portugal. I've never had a Portuguese pastry right. before. So if this is this good, what else is right. good? You know, and it it's it's a... It's a key into it, a key into opening that door. I mean, we have so many amazing products, so many amazing products. Like, you know, when I think of going back home, like back to Portugal, like after a night out, four or five in the morning, and I can just walk into the bakery and have fresh this, fresh that, some fresh bread with cheese in it. And like, I don't know, it's just like that. There's so many products that we have that have, have literally no, like no exposure to, to the American public, unless you're Americans being raised or live in near a Portuguese neighborhood, right? right? Aside from that, you're not going to know any of this stuff. Like I get people come in all the time. What is this? Well, what are you guys selling? And, and it, and I, you know, I, I pitch it to them just like I mentioned it to you guys. And once I sell it, I explain it to that time that way they have a bite. And then I know that once they have a bite, they're locked. That's it. Now I can lay it on them. <laughs> I can say, this is, you know, a world famous Portuguese pastry you know, created in the early 1800s at the, the uh, Jerónimo's Monastery, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's egg custard. And, you know, this is, it's also Chinese egg tarts are derivative of Arpostel Mata and, you know, really educating right. them. So they, they leave there with a sense of, wow, I just, you know, mm-hmm. had a great history, but I also got a little history lesson. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and, you know, so one thing I didn't, I didn't get to mention that, 
I think that, uh, and I might, might be jumping forward here, but this is something that's really important to me, and I think it's been a game changer for, for us is that, um, I'm sorry, guys, I'm also dealing with, I'm like sitting in the car off front, front of the, the cafe. This is New York parking for you. I have to keep uh, moving the car. Oh, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been towed in New York, so I, I feel your pain. Right, right. So, um, okay, so what I was going to say was, I think it's really common. So before I, I started uh, even shipping them across the country, I was like, let me see what other bakeries are doing if they're already shipping them. And I found a couple of bakeries, ordered, had them shipped to me. But what I, what I found is that the, really the experience wasn't what it should be if we're, going to try to, if we're trying to impress people that don't know anything about Portugal or anything like that. Like, you know, they're baking. I worked at a bakery my first job. I know that they're baking those prestige probably like three or four in the morning. And then you're probably eating them like eight or nine o'clock, which is fine. Room temperature, no problem. They're still fresh. But there's nothing when it comes to baked products, in my opinion. There's nothing better than a, fred, a piece of bread that's just been out of the oven, a cookie that just got baked, or whatever it is. That you know, that experience is what I wanted to, to, to kind of preserve, and, and it's important to me. So by keeping them frozen, shipping them to you frozen with the baking instructions on the box, I know that when you eat them, they will have just came out of the oven, or at least I'd like to think they did. But I wholesale them to restaurants. And I make it a point, like, all right, guys, here's the instructions. I want them done on demand. I don't want you to be serving them. They were baked like three hours ago. If you want to sell them, and if you're going to have my name on them, or people are going to think of of them as mine, it's got to be this way all the time. So if you go to Ipanema Restaurant, which is my best customer in New York, you order them on the menu, mm-hmm. they bake them on the spot. So you're always getting a nice, warm, crispy, pastelled matzah. And it's the same at my street fairs, wholesale, all across the board, because that is you know, it's important for me because I think that we serve it to them that way, that premium experience, and this is just going to roll, I mean, across the country. That's the way I look at this. That's how I feel about it. Well, you bring up a great point because so when my husband and I got married, we wanted to have Prestige Nata at our wedding. And there was only one place in California that made them the way that we liked them in Portugal, mainland style, <laughs> with like the uh, milde folhas and, you know, that we could get queijadas, which are... Just as you know, they're good as well, but we really wanted the the prestige, not the right. And we did a, a test ship from this place in LA, and you know, no no offense to them, it it, it was not those pastries. We loved their their not those. They we loved their food, everything, but we did a test ship, and they arrived just completely topsy turvy. Right, and we thought no way if we're going to order like 200 of these things there's just no way that we could do that and and have it be presentable so we had my husband's family go to they're from new jersey and when they flew over they picked up um frozen natish from the bakery and hand carried them as carry-on luggage on the flight (laughs) and and brought them over and so i totally feel your pain when trying to figure out how do you get the product to people so that it arrives in a state that they'll still be able to have that experience. So I think the way that you've approached it is pretty brilliant, actually. Right. And it, um, it works really well yeah. with the packaging we're using, which is the same packaging they use all over Portugal. You know, the hexagon box, the sleeve that fits six. Uh, they have some places now that just do two, like Mantegadia does that as well. And it, it keeps them very sturdy. You can drop it, flip it over. They don't move inside because they sit face to face when they go in. And when they're frozen... They're not, I mean, they're literally bulletproof, right? So uh, the ones that I got through my shipment, and I'm not going to name any, uh, and I don't even remember the name. It was already like three years ago anyways. But 
they came in like generic, the plastic containers, like muffin containers, and they were bounced around. And they were oh, like, yeah. you know, basically three-day-old mattas. Uh, how is that acceptable? It really killed me. I'm like, right. <laughs> we need to make this better. So I looked at other things like how are people sending like cookies, frozen cookies and cupcakes and things like that. So I found a good foil uh, insert, so the ice bricks and things like that. And I sent out a bunch of test shipments to California, Chicago, uh, Michigan, Florida. And, you know, I add the bricks uh, based on where they're going. So if it's going somewhere warmer, I, I, I double them up. The good thing is the prestige don't have to get there frozen solid. They've already been baked, pre-baked. They mm. just have to not, you know, thaw completely. So they arrive, and I said some places they're getting them frozen. Some places they're getting they're starting to thaw. Either way, they're still great. You throw them in the oven, everybody gives me five-star reviews, and, and I'm happy with the way it's going. And hopefully, we can do the same, uh, you know, with the, the Portuguese kids. That's, that's the objective. And they're super pumped, and I love this collaboration. Yeah, before we uh, we started recording, uh, Joey and I were talking, and uh, just so we have full disclosure here, so last week I had a meeting with uh, the Portuguese kids. So I was at their office, and we were just you know finishing up what we were doing, and they asked me. They said, "Have you had the Joey Bad sweets there, the Natsish? Because we've just put some in the oven, and we'd love to have you try it because we're going to be." We're going to be carrying it on their online store. And uh, so I'm like, okay, now I've got to wait. So I am waiting uh, for these sweets to come out of the oven and the office just smells amazing. And so then, you know, uh, Al, I think it was Al, Al goes to back in the kitchen and he gets the, the natash, puts them on the plate and they're like, they're piping hot. And he's like, oh, the only thing is, is we don't have any cinnamon, you know, to put some cinnamon <laughs> over it. So we had to wait till they kind of cooled off a little because they had just, just come out of the oven. And so they're like, well, they started showing me the packaging. So the packaging is that cylinder like you would if you would go to, if you were in in, um, in Portugal and you got your Pestalge de Nata in it. And it has beautiful design on the outside. So the packaging, whoever did your packaging, Joey, they yeah, did a great job. Friend, Chris. Um, did an excellent job. Oh, it came out, it came out beautiful. So then we uh, I think it was Derek who tested it out for us to see if we could <laughs> eat it. And so we're all like have it in our hand, we're blowing on it, the whole thing. And let me tell you, folks, um, it was incredible. Thank you. Thank you. you. I appreciate that. It, it you I bit into it and there was a crunch, which, <laughs> you know, when you go and you buy your quesadas, the natsa and bakeries and stuff, you know, unless it's being like freshly done and all that, you're not going to get that crunch. Yeah. Um, so, so it was, oh my God, <laughs> it was crunch. And then, oh, that smooth, sweet, and it wasn't oversweet. It was perfect so of course now they're looking at me like what do you think what do you think and and i'm like oh my god this is this is fantastic this is fit and they're like oh my god you know because they're so excited that they're going to be selling it uh, me so, too because uh, uh, you know i love the guys i met them for the first time a few weeks ago well we met in bridgeport but it was kind of they were busy and i was busy at the festival there setting up and uh but then when they were in mineola it was funny because they had just went to uh we had breakfast at my friend's house, Liliana and her mom, and she, you know, she cooked for us. And she asked, Joe, you should come by and bring some of your nachos. So I came over, we baked them right there in the spot. 
I got to really get to know the guys, you know, they literally remind me of my best friends growing up back home, you know, yeah, uh, they're good guys. All, all us they're real good Portuguese guys. kids and all the jokes that we know, you know, all the little things you remember about like the way your mom taught, spoke to you, your grandparents. Spoke to you. It's, I love that. So they got to try the Mathers yeah. and they were like, whoa. And then they ended up taking the rest of them. And that's when we really got to, uh, to chum it up, which is great. And then after that, I was like, man, we should totally hang up. They should come visit me in New York. Well, you know, we'll, we'll uh, go out a couple nights. And, you know, that's, I'm, I'm a night guy. I'm like a, I'm like a vampire down here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and then, you know, oh. Derek reached out maybe a week ago and he had the idea. And I was like, this is genius. This is genius. Yeah. And we even talked about possibly even setting up at some of their events, you know, uh, and baking them right there. Oh, the wow. Spot. That's that. Because let me tell you, the whole whole experience is not only just, you know, actually having to eat and enjoy it. It's the smell. The smell brings you in um, because it's, it was incredible. It was really good. It's funny you say that. Let me give you, so let me give you an insight on the tricks that, so have you guys ever heard of the San Gennaro Feast in Little Italy in New York City? No. It's uh, possibly the largest one in the country. They get a million people over 11 days. Oh, Italy. Tiny little roads. Yes. No, not Italy. Italy is a uh, is a restaurant owned by Mario Batali. Right. So, it, uh, Little Italy is at uh, the southern. It's right next door to Soho, that section of uh, of uh, downtown New York, and it's a fest that's every year, uh, eleven days, and they close off this tiny little street, and they have a million people pass through there. And you got guys like Tony Danza. He runs a sausage a sausage booth and things like that. So this year or September was the first time in ninety two years that they had Portuguese food there. So we set up our booth. My mom and I, you know, we're, we're veterans at this now, but the tricks that we had to, so the banner is one thing, right? But what I did was I set up two ovens behind us and we made sure that we divided the baking up between the two ovens. So we always had something baking on top of the oven. You guys know those, those floor dryers. It's a very concentrated blow like direction. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? It looks like a big whistle. I do. That's far. So I put one on top of each oven. And uh, not only that, because the the walkway that they have is about 12 feet. It's really really skinny. And when that place is jamming, it is nuts. People are nonstop. But you're getting them for about five seconds as they crawl in front of you. So we have the smell going out there, but it's not just that. We learned uh, a way on how to get the smell to be stronger, more potent. You break open a few natas to expose the cream, just like smush it onto the platter, and you sprinkle cinnamon on the custard (laughs) and put it back in the oven. Let me tell you guys, the smell is like 10 to 20 fold. It is so much stronger and then people are walking by and saying, what the hell is that smell? It's like a cloud. <laughs> wow. And then they're looking up. It was always the same. I, I mean, literally, it's rinse and repeat. They're looking up at the banner, and I have a, I have a light pointing directly at the quote. Imagine a creme brulee wrapped in a flaky croissant. Yeah. And they're reading that, and you can see their faces. And they're like, oh, I got to try that. I'm going to go have some sausage. We're going to come back here. Yeah. And then when they come back, or if they walk up to the booth at that moment, I then have samples to give them. We cut each pastel into eight little pieces. And then we bake them that way. Oh, wow. And then toothpicks in each one. That's how I give them a sample. So that's basically the cost of customer acquisition for us. Mm-hmm. And like, people are going nuts. They're taking <laughs> a, a dozen, a half dozen at a time. And you know, it's not like, you know, you don't buy a dozen croissants, right? Right. You buy a dozen for stays, though. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? And what you've done now, you've permanently marked that scent in their, in their brain. brain. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that it's that food memory. 
you know, and, and that always, that is in there. That is, uh, so now when they smell that, they automatically, you know, get that feeling of, Oh, I have to have one. It's just right. Really is. You're, you're hitting the nail right on the head. And we were, we were also partnering up with, uh, I really wanted to keep it Portuguese. So now I'm using Delta coffee in all of our, uh, all of our events. And uh, they're actually giving me a commercial, uh, a new commercial uh, machine they have that takes capsules. But I can also do, uh, and it's not like the one you could buy to take it home, where it does one, it does one coffee at a time. This is like a two-group, full-on stainless steel with the frother. So now, at every event, I'll not only do natas and blush and all this stuff, but I'll actually be able to do the full slew of coffee products with Portugal's best coffee, which oh, nice. I am honored to sit there and be like, this is our number one coffee in Portugal and give them the spiel on that too. So you can start little espressos. Right. And you know, that Delta is not available and you are like North of New York. Really? There's no Delta. I don't know. They, so Delta has exclusive contracts with like the influenciabras down here. So all of their stuff has to go through there, but they have no, um, like you can't go to the, the Portuguese club or the restaurant, any restaurant or pastry shop near you with a Delta coffee. It's all the other brands. But Delta is the number one brand out of Portugal. Mm-hmm. They're like 30-something countries. That makes so no I, sense. I wonder why. I, I completely agree. And let me tell you, the coffee is delicious. Yeah. The coffee is no, we fantastic. Love Delta. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, you know, uh, not giving too much away, but I am working on, I told him, I was like, I'm going to be, I mean, if I wasn't working for myself, I'd probably become a Delta sales guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, yes. Because uh, there's so much potential. I mean, it's. I tell the guy, it's easy. Everybody Portuguese knows the brand that's been on, you know, uh, in Portugal. So, and not only um, that, we have so many Portuguese distributors throughout all the East coast and West coast. What the heck is going on with them? I don't know. I think the thing is, is more, uh, it's one thing to sell something. It's another to maintain it. So they need to partner up or find some people who can help them with the, you know, the maintenance of the, of the machines as, you know, things happen or, or anything has to work, has to be done on them. They only have guys down here. And it doesn't really make sense for them to be going back and forth from Fall River to here and New Bedford to here. So they need to partner up with, with uh, somebody that does this kind of stuff up there uh, to, to be able to spread the, the Delta love, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be bringing the Delta, the Delta machine with me to every festival uh, oh, nice. up in the north in Massachusetts, too. So Nice. You know what I love about what you're doing is like you're kind of exporting the cafe culture that's in Portugal, right? And we, yeah. when we kind of talked about yeah. this with um, Jessica um, from Tia Maria's uh, European Cafe in New Brit- New Bedford, oh, but yeah. just that whole environment that you just, I haven't been able to find anywhere else. I mean, maybe Italy, I think, but yeah. Um, right. yeah. um, just being able to hang out on the Splanada, you have a coffee, you have a pastel or your uh, bolo of something, and you just sit and enjoy the scenery, the people walking by, the company of friends. I mean, it's like, it's just not something that you can find. And, you know, I guess it's been tried to be replicated here in the States in some places, but it's just not the same because there's still that hustle and bustle, right? There's just not right. the, that relaxed, right. you know, enjoy, enjoy your time uh, mentality that, that you get when you're in Portugal. It's, even, it's funny where you're, you're hitting the nail right on the head. Like, you know, even back home in Matt and Ludlow, when I go see family or my friends, it's always like, Hey, let's go have a cafe. And it's really just like, hey, let's go hang out, chat, and get, you know, catch up. It, it's like, let's go yeah. hang out. It's not, maybe here the Akuma would be like, let's go have a beer. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. I really love it. 
Well, and, and so, let me tell you, everybody that I talked to or that we talked to on this podcast that's, you know, East Coast based, has a restaurant, has a cafe, has a whatever that's so delicious and wonderful. And then I just sit here in California and say, oh, we need more yeah, of it. It's a it. huge untapped market. Yeah. So when you're ready to come yeah. out here, Joey, you let me know. <laughs> <laughs> you guys will be the first to know. Absolutely. Well, I've already... So, you know, we opened uh, to give you guys some updates, and I'm, I'm sure you know some of it, but uh, as you know, I did all the street fairs and whatnot. But then this year, uh, recently, we opened the uh, Frankie Portugal Cafe here in New York, and that is a um, uh, a little uh, a joint venture with the uh, the Tau Group and Artichoke Pizza guys that, if you're familiar with this block, they have this big Artichoke Pizza spot here, and then there's us, the, the cafe, and then there's One Oak Nightclub, which is probably the best nightclub in the city. So what happened was I was scrambling to find a place to sell the not there during the winter because there was no street fairs and they had a space here. I reached out to my friend, Mike, who works. He's one of the, uh, one of the, I think he's chief marketing officer for the company, Artichoke Pizza. And he sees on Facebook, all the, you know, the pictures that are getting shared around of me and the prestige, excuse me, what I'm doing. So he introduced me to Francis Garcia, who crazy enough is the, the grandson of the first Portuguese attorney in New York City, right? Francisco Garcia was the first attorney. He was well-known in the community. He used to be president of the social club here in Soho when that existed, when there was a Portuguese community there. Okay. Um, so he's really well, he was really well-known at that time. And then his son, uh, also Francis, was half Portuguese, half Sicilian. And they were living in Staten Island, and that's where. So the Italian is a predominantly Italian neighborhood. So they called him Frankie Portugal as a nickname. So Francis, who also is another Francis Garcia, he's the one who told me he's like, well, I've been wanting to do coffee there anyways. I know Pistage, I love Pistage. Let's let's do it together. So that's how this cafe started. We opened December 11th, and it's really been been kind of like a like a test to see if it has legs and see what's going on. But I'll tell you, the thing we sell the most of here, not this. Really? I told him right from the get-go, guys, this is uh, what other pastry would you open up a shop? You're not going to open up a shop and sell a dozen croissants to people. You're going to sell a dozen for stays, though. We've got people that buy 80. Google bought 80 the other day. We had a lady three dozen this morning. Like They sell like hotcakes, and we're just getting started. Wow. Now, of course, I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking all these people that you need to make sure you know and and have you and where you need to get it into here in the West Coast besides selling it online? Yeah, we'll probably. I mean, I I I thought the only real issue is like distribution is how do I get it over there in a, in a costly you know in a cost effective manner and you know it's going to have to be in sizable amounts like you know by a pallet is the only way I think that that would be able to work. It's not impossible. It's just it, it may still be be early early days uh since we only started doing this like seven months ago realistically yeah i was gonna yeah. ask you what your timeline was so you talk, sort of talked about your path that you were in it and then kind of how that all evolved but what's been your timeline like when did you actually start and then i actually i also wanted to ask you about if you ever considered a food truck because i don't know about out there but here in california especially in the bay area um food trucks were all the rage for the long the longest time and still are to an extent i think they're losing their novelty a little bit but you know did you ever right. consider a food truck to kind of take you all to all these different places so yeah timeline and so, food truck right so to answer both questions i worked so i'm from western massachusetts small town ludlow predominantly portuguese 
I was working uh, in uh, IT for a finance company up until I was 31. And shortly after, I'm sorry, it was no, 30, it was in 2013 that I moved to New York. Uh, and so that meant I was, I had been working there already for 11 years in IT. Then I moved to sales engineering for three years here in New York city, bounced around to two different companies. I had a lot of fun doing that. Uh, eventually being recruited to Venium, which was done. Uh, so, tw- so rewind to June of 2016 is when I officially created Joey Bax LLC, which by the way, is the nickname they gave me when I moved to New York guys. Joey Batista, they call me Joey Bats. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> it works well here. You know, the whole time American, uh, you know, uh, comparison. That was in June of 2016, and I had I still wasn't really doing much with it. It was just like, let me register this business and see what happens. And then I started with the cakes, and then it was I started working at Venium in uh, February of 2017, and it was shortly after that that I started really picking it up with the prestige at uh, Portugal and Soho event, Hester Street Fair, Dias Portugal, as you know, first week of June, that was Mignola. And that's when I really said, all right, now I can do this full time. And then I, I left Venium uh, early July. And I basically signed up for every fair that I could think of. Like any fair that I knew of. Festival, we did Ludlow. We did Mignola. We did Bridgeport, Connecticut, Waterbury, Connecticut, New Bedford, Mass., which I loved. That was great. I had so much fun. So many molasadas. I had so many molasadas <laughs> and Madeira wine. It was great. Oh, so are um, you going to be at the Madeira Feast um, this year? Oh, absolutely. I want to get a bigger tent this year. I want to sell Delta coffee. I want to have the full slew of products. There, awesome. Yeah. I'm going to, I don't know yeah. which day I'm going to be on, uh, but I'm going to be there also. Um, we I mean, we haven't even, I haven't even yet. talked to the Portuguese kids. I thought it'd be really cool if they set up a stand selling their stuff. Uh, you know, the member of the different uh, products they have, yeah. maybe we can do it together. It could be like a joint collaboration, you know? Yeah. Um, I had hmm. wanted to do Fall River, but Fall River didn't allow um, outside vendors uh, in into the festival. Oh, really? And uh, you, could, you had to be yeah, based in Fall River? Uh, I wasn't sure. I think it was only, unless I don't know any better, but it, it, the way I understood it is that only the the like the club or whoever was running the festival they handle all the food and, and that was basically it. Oh. In which case, I did offer like you know I could wholesale them to you guys and you guys could bake them and sell them there yourself. Uh, but you know it was the first year I can I can expect everyone to say yes. Hartford, uh, we couldn't sell them there I think because there was uh, some opposing bakeries there that didn't really want us to be selling them there. Just too bad. I danced in the rancho. I danced in the rancho for Hartford like two or three years. That was a lot of fun. But yeah, we stayed really busy. And then we finished with San Gennaro and we did the Queen's Night Market every Saturday night. I'll continue to do that. It's a fabulous night market, six to midnight, every Saturday night, beginning in April, all the way to the end of October. A very diverse uh, and uh, products. Oh, but getting back to the food truck thing, yes. The food truck thing works really much better outside of New York. It is hmm. really expensive to do that here. Hmm. The cheapest part and the easiest part is the truck, right? They don't give out uh, permits like that. It's kind of like getting an, uh, uh, an alcohol license back home. Like they, there's a set amount in the city and you have to buy from somebody else that already has one. So here, guys, these people hold the permit and then you'll lease the permit from them. So they might be paying a few hundred dollars annually for a permit. And then they, they hold, you know, you, it's like paying rent. You're paying like $4,000 a month, you know, just to be able to, to operate a food truck. It's, wow. it's really crazy. It's really nuts. 
That's so to be honest with you, it is way cheaper, more cost effective to do the boots. You you don't there they you know you have your your temporary food establishment permits and things like that, and you know it's a little more work. You got to set up the booths, but you know you set up an affair, you could be there all day. They might charge you two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So it's no comparison. Yeah, that's a no brainer. That's definitely a no. However, having said all that, I I am going to need a van soon, and I'm purposely going to buy one of those tall, large vans so that I can have a window to sell from the van because at Ludlow Festa. There's no real thing that says you have to be a food truck or a booth. So I can pull up to the same spot mm-hmm. and sell direct from the the the, the truck, and it's just an easier, you know, easier to manage. No, no cleaning up at the end of the festival or anything like that. Mm. So. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I was kind of thinking too, just in terms of all the equipment and the ingredients you have to take, and then the setup and then cooking. I, I was just wondering if, right? Yeah, at some. Point. Well, the good thing is. Angela's because remember they're pre-baked and flash frozen. So when it comes to upkeep, we really just keep them frozen in freezers. Oh, so, got it. Yeah. So you're uh, not really a cooking there on well, the site on site. Exactly, yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Exactly. No. So like for New Bedford, I, I rented a freezer trailer and I took, uh, I think I took 8,000 of them with me. We only sold four, but it was pretty darn good for our first, uh, our first attempt there. Wow. And, um, now is your so mom- I had the freezer. Is your mom, I don't mean to cut you off, honey, but I, just so That's fine. we know, I know your mom was the one who worked with you on the recipe and all of that stuff. Has she, yep. including, I mean, first of all, the cake, the the bull, and then the quejada de nata. And now is she working with you on other Portuguese desserts? Or is this where you're going to stay with, or are you going to branch out to different ones? Well, the natas are allowing us to expand. And I, you know, we have a, we don't make them anymore. It's a factory that makes them. Oh. This is how we're able to scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. We have a factory making. We're, we're probably going to have the factory make the, the gold vlasha and the serradura, babas camelu, not just the oh, cell. Wow. So you're like uh, really expanding. Right. And, and you know what? I, like I said, it's easier for us to do the focus on the not just because it's something that's very well known and easy to sell. And now that we've perfected like when you said how much work it is to set up a booth and I, my mother and I just two people and we can handle thousands of selling thousands of these because we've, we've gotten it to a way where it's just easy to keep them warm and you know, bust them out. Boom. Yeah. Two, I'll take two. I'll take five. I'll take six. Boom, boom, boom. They're already warm, ready to go. We just sprinkle cinnamon and sugar on them and they're good. So we've got that very efficient, but to, uh, to, to grow to new recipes, that's where things get a little trickier if they're not maintained the same way. Like if we can't keep them frozen, uh, luckily some can, like the bull vlasha and the serraduta can be kept frozen. And you, know, you would never know the difference. They taste fantastic. Uh, when we, we freeze the cream and then assemble the cakes after, after defrost and things like that. So it's, everything has been, been good. It's just about now expanding a little bit. But I want to I do a little more damage with the natas first. Uh, and have that <laughs> I know poor choice of words <laughs> yeah well you know that's okay you know it's always good to want more and, mm-hmm. I, and I don't see that's anything right. wrong with it and I think Angela both of yeah, us sure. all agree that's on right. that mm-hmm. and you know I, I just went on while we were talking I went on to Facebook so I'm now on the Joey Bat Sweets uh, Facebook page and mm-hmm. for those of you that are hearing us and please go on his page and like it because you know what it's really really neat to see the stuff that you're doing and i just read something here natish delivered in nyc you're delivering natish to your door people's door <laughs> we were we were doing that for some time when i had a setup at the booth uh at the in broadway and broom 
and we're about to start doing it again. So there's been a break where we can't, we weren't. Yeah. The thing is, we we have a lot of food apps here called like Grubhub, Seamless, right, Postmates, right. Mm-hmm. Uber Eats. And I'm just thinking the, trans- the, the thought of being home now and having some nice, freshly baked natish being delivered to my house <laughs> sounds amazing <laughs> right? right now. Oh my God. Well, I'll tell you what. In Manhattan, basically everything can be delivered to your door. Your laundry, your food. I mean, you want cookies, you want McDonald's, they'll bring it right to your door. Wow. Uh, so I, I had to capitalize on that when we were yeah. at Broadway and Broom in that little market there. I signed up for all those uh, you know, app deliveries and they worked well. But then we moved here to Frankie, Portugal, and I'm literally probably another week or two will enable that that uh, offering again. So people will be able to order them and you'll get warm nachos delivered to your door. And I think that that's fantastic, right? You know, yeah. making it as easy as, you know, a couple buttons on your, press a few buttons on your phone and you got them right to your door. Yeah. So. How awesome. So the, <laughs> the place, the establishment, if they, people want, if they're going to New York, Joey, and they want to go to your the shop you have, it's called Frankie Portugal, yep. correct? Today it's Frankie Portugal, yeah. Okay. And where That's is right. it located, just so people know? We are located at 457 West 17th Street. It's a cafe right in between the famous, the big artichoke pizza uh, right on the corner. As, as And uh, uh, the other side is One Oka Nightclub. So this, <laughs> this area gets really busy, guys, between 11 p.m. and 5 in the morning. It's, it's actually pretty ridiculous how many people are on the block at that time. Mm-hmm. They're all at the nightclub. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I believe it. Uh, last, last, last weekend was a Grammy weekend uh, here in New York. And so we were open from 11 till 5. And, uh, you know, that we have to, uh, there's a hard stop at 5 a.m. But at the Artichoke Pizza next door, they had a line that wrapped around the building. There had to be at least 100 people in line to get a slice. And at 5 a.m., and it was like that all night. And at 5 a.m., they have to shut the doors. They can't let any more, they can't sell any more pizza. Wow. It's it's an amazing little spot here. And once, and if you guys are familiar with the High Line, it's it's like right above us. So I think that once the weather uh, gets a little warmer, we're really going to be busy here. Mm. I think it's going to be a what an amazing what an amazing operation and and thing you've got going. I mean, it's just incredible. Congratulations! It's really amazing. Thank you. So so cool. uh, We we try. Sometimes I think about like, man, we're basically a booth. We move around the city, (laughs) but you know, I think we're getting a lot more credit than maybe we need to. I don't know. I appreciate all of it. I only hope that we can. You know, we 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 are doing the Portugal and the, you know, the Portuguese community proud. So that's, that's the, that's the objective. And, you know, it's, uh, it's exciting for me. It's an easy, you know, I'm a sales guy. Yes, but it's really an easy sell when it's something you're so passionate about, whether it's the food that you're making or the, the food you were growing up with, mm-hmm. or it's just the fact that I could say, yes, they walk in and say, are you Portuguese? Yes, I am. <laughs> like to be Portuguese? We can speak Portuguese as well. You know, mm-hmm. it just feels good to, to raise that flag. Yeah. And for people to think it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, so, it is cool. So have you, um, I mean, are there uh, intentions or ambitions to try and, you know, get them into like the freezer section at grocery stores? Is that feasible? Oh, or? We are, we are right on par here. So let me give you the rundown <laughs> of what the, the current, the current priorities on, uh, on my list or the things that I'm trying to do or in the middle of working on. One of them is the collaboration uh, with the Portuguese kids, which you just heard about, which yeah. I'm really excited about. Second, um, it's easy to to open a place down here and just have it fail. 
and I don't want that to happen. So to mitigate that risk, we've proven the concept of Frankie Portugal, but I'm going to try. I'm I'm going through the through the uh, motions now of opening my first Joey Bats location in Ludlow, back home, because I have access to you know uh, construction and help, and my sisters and my mother can run the shop day to day. Nice. And that's where I'll go through. Right. That's where I'll go through the concept. It'll be my hub. So I wholesale to restaurants there, and I'd love to continue. You know, eventually distributing to the eastern side. You know, uh, Fall River, New Bedford. Uh, Milford and all those, those different communities, Providence. Uh, so I'm going to open that there. It'll be like my hub. Uh, it'll also be like a lab where my mother can experiment with other other recipes that she uh, she can she can do, and then I'll see if I can scale it. Um, that's that. And I, I am totally coincidentally, and just started a conversation with the guys at Whole Foods, uh, oh, which is cool. really exciting yeah. because it's a premium supermarket. Mm-hmm. Oh, I told the guy, I'm like, listen, I told the guy, if you let me put a bunch of these packages in your freezer, uh, pick your busiest Whole Foods, I'll stand there and I'll get all samples and I'll guarantee you we'll be selling them like crazy once they have a little taste of what it tastes like when it's warm. Um, <laughs> so there's, there's that. Uh, hopefully that, that happens. Have I am you sent them samples to, already? Not yet. No, this was purely just uh, through a friend that, that kind of threw my name in the game. Uh, and, you know, these supermarkets are always looking for like the next trendy kind of thing yeah. that's, uh, that's getting you know, hot on the market. And uh, so that's how that conversation started. What was the other one that I was, oh, I'm, we're also talking to Pat, uh, which What's is, that? you know, obviously another exciting moment for me after the successful Passport to Portugal event uh, with the timeout and TAP, and TAP Airlines collaboration. Oh, TAP. Uh, oh. Yeah, oh, TAP wow. Airlines. Oh, awesome. Um, so we're going to talk to them about some marketing uh, initiatives they have uh, for 2018. Maybe we can even get the prestige in, in the planes. You know, it's oh, not safe to talk, right? Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> oh my God, that's awesome. Would that's it awesome. be? That is awesome. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so these are the kind of the short list of, of items that I need to focus on right now. But it's come April and we are on head down festivals every weekend hopefully as many Portuguese festivals as I can sign up for and, and be able to do myself while maintaining the, uh, you know, the cafe and, and everything else too. So, or the multiple cafes, hopefully, because if it works in Lobball, why can't I open one in New Bedford or Fall right. River or Milford? Or California. Right. Or California. <laughs> I want it to be very small. I, uh, the, you know, the inspiration can comes from, have you guys ever heard of Nato Lisboa? Why have it's, uh, I? It's another... So in you know in Lisbon you have the big chains of Prestiges, uh, Prestige Valang. That's yeah. not even a chain; it's just one location. Montegiria is the, probably the, the most popular and well, most loved pastel, but they also mm-hmm. have Fabrica das Natas and Nata Lisboa. Nata Lisboa has a, their logo is all yellow, and they're the only ones I know of that are in multiple countries. Their oh. their packaging has like seven different languages, so they're in like Dubai probably in like Switzerland or whatever, because wow. it's in Portuguese, English, French, German. So, well, you know, of I, course I'm thinking uh, very selfishly here for myself and I'm like, <laughs> okay, uh, Portugalia, you need to be there. Uh, oh yeah. I know Michael. Yeah, yeah. I know Michael. And a while back we, we, we mentioned, he's like, yeah, when you get your package, Maybe we can do like a, t- uh, like a taste uh, testing. And I still want to do that. It's just all about like, being able to manage my time. It's just yeah, me and my absolutely. Mom, and then, of course, um, the other thought I had here, oh, my God. And, and this is right up Angela and I's uh, thought process here all the time. Shark Tank. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I've thought about that as well. Um, I think that uh, it's going to be trickier to convince American investors who lack, who don't have the passion or don't understand the passion or the, maybe an American investor who's lived in Portugal, who's been there, come back and be like, Oh my God, this stuff's amazing. But they're going to be more difficult to, uh, to impress. The good thing is that I have plenty of friends who are always looking to, I've had people reach out to me. I have some very, very close friends in Lisbon who are going to be my, uh, I'll call them my angel investors to help me get started with the cafe and some other things. Very nice. Um, and, and for me, it works out best because They've known they've been there since the beginning, and they've known what I've been able to do in such a more short amount of time, and they believe in what I'm trying to do. So it just makes everything that much easier, you know. When it, in, in regards to getting, you know, to getting them to, to be on board, right. um, I don't even think it's that crazy to think that I could be selling more than most of the bakeries in Portugal do in a short amount of time. Yeah, that's, uh, that's you know, that is just amazing. And you know what? And I, I love it. You know, this is the whole reason why we do this podcast. And that is just how uh, we have these amazing success stories of Portuguese entrepreneurs out there that are doing it, that are, they're promoting um, not only what they're doing and what they're, you know, selling, but they're promoting the Portuguese culture. And this is just really wonderful. We're just so yeah. proud of you. We're really, truly proud of Thank you. Well, and when Thank I, you. It was, it was, <laughs> so when, I, when I mentioned California, you know, I, I was actually thinking just because you are more on the higher end and, and, uh, you know, def- yeah. going after the non-Portuguese crowd is as much, if not more than the Portuguese crowd. You know, I was thinking of places like, you know, Los Gatos, um, or even, you know, Palo Alto is still pretty big, but more of the more they have like really cute downtowns it's a pretty it's pretty affluent area i don't know how well you know california but you know there's play there's cities like that here in the bay area certainly down in la county things like that so i mean when you think of california don't just think of san jose or uh san francisco or the big cities um of course that could work but i mean there are there are those air the cities that are a lot more quaint and uh, right. high-end that I think would be perfect for... Carmel? Yes, yes. Carmel, yeah. I mean, Carmel. that would be yeah. perfect for this. Mm-hmm. Carmel would be perfect. Okay, anyone in Carmel who's listening to this, <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's make it happen. Yeah, totally. Right. All right. <laughs> well, so- the good thing is that, you know, just just real quick, the good thing is that everything, every avenue I've tested has been successful, thankfully whether it's online, it's at the wholesale or it's at the street fairs and what have you. So I'm really, really happy with what we're doing. And I think that it's going to, there's a lot of potential there to get. And it's not crazy to think that we might be um, having them available in California in the near future. Well, you know, in, in all of saying this, all of this now, your mom, what is your mom's name? Uh, my mother is uh, Isabel Fernandes. She is the genius behind the. Yeah. Behind we we got to talk about your I'm mom doing. now. We got to talk about your mom now. Where <laughs> oh, are you? Man, where this is, is going to get sappy? Well, no, we need to because you know what? We're only as good as those that are around us. Hey, Maria, and we should be like right. Barbara Walters, and our goal should be to get every guest to cry. At oh, point. I can't. <laughs> I'm terrible with this stuff. I'm kidding. I'm no, terrible. I'm, My, <laughs> I could not have done any of this. Yes, my mom is the genius behind the recipes, but not just that. 
she drives. I'm so I'm literally sitting in our van right now outside the cafe because she just got here. So she's restocking the 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 cafe with the bobolasha cups and the saladuda and the torta laranja and all that stuff. And then she's in there working so that I could come in here and take this call. She drives down every weekend from Ludlow, Mass. It's a two and a half hour drive without traffic. Every weekend. She's been doing this since she was in Portugal for six weeks. And when I re- that moment when I did, uh, right before Mignola, I realized I needed her help. I called her to come back so early from her vacation. And she's been with me every weekend, sometimes, excuse me, sometimes during the week. Wow. Uh, since then. Now, where is your family from? Where is your family from? So we're, uh, my mother's family all resides uh, basically in Western Massachusetts and Ludlow. My father's family all resides in New Bedford, actually. So I know New Bedford very well. All right. Now, where Um, did they originally come from? Are they first generation here or? They're from from Trasujmont, so about an hour and a half northeast of Porto. My my father is uh, from a village called Tedizes, which is right outside the the larger town or small city of Montalegre, which is right on the border of Spain. Like you literally walk across uh, the border of Spain there, uh-huh. or Galicia. And then my mother is about twenty minutes uh, from there, and just outside the village is called Canedo, and it's just outside of a, a larger or small town called Putikish. So I go there every year. I know the place like the back of my hand. Oh, nice. uh, I love it there. But that's that. That's where they're from. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. And, you know, and so you were brought up in the Portuguese way, correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ludlow is a small town. There's probably, I don't know, maybe 29, 30,000 people there. Uh, at the time, there was, uh, when I went to college at UMass Amherst, I think there was more faculty and students at UMass Amherst than there was, uh, you know, population of Ludlow. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's made up predominantly of Portuguese and Polish immigrants. Uh, and it's a small town, so you basically know everybody. It's not like a big city like, you know, Fall River, New Bedford have a lot of Portuguese, mm-hmm. but it's also a big city mm-hmm. um, compared to Ludlow, which is just a tiny little town. We do have a fantastic festa there, though, if you guys have never been. The difference between the Ludlow festa and all the festas I've been to, and I've been to basically all of them from when I used to do the dance stuff on issue, uh, it's very authentic. Um, I go to Newark. Newark is great. The food is delicious, but it is really uh, just, you, you walk in, you don't even really, uh, it's, it's just kind of, I don't know. It's not so authentic as it used to. Just like if you go to Little Italy, San Gennaro, there's not as many Italians as there, as there used to be. In Lolo, we do the Procession Village that they do in Fatima. Oh, wow. And that's, that's probably the biggest draw on Sunday. Uh, that one day you'll have thousands, maybe, I don't know, 30, 40,000 people with candles uh, singing Ave Maria uh, together, and they're carrying around the statue of Our Lady of Fatima. And it's just like a really intense moment, even if you're not religious, just to, to witness that. It's really great. So we have people that come from Canada, Virginia, California, uh, from all over, just for that one event on Sunday. And it's four days during Labor Day weekend. So it's uh, the community is very, you know, I spoke Portuguese before I spoke English there. You know, that's, yeah. that's the way it was there. Yeah. And in high school, I, I was able to take Portuguese for four years where I was able to, you know, learn how to better read and write and things like that. That's wonderful. That is. So, yes. So thank you to Senhora Isabel for, uh, <laughs> right. and, you know, yeah. and the whole thing is, is I, I love it because being brought up Portuguese, there is that instillment. So what is of, you know, being hard workers, doing this, doing that? What does your family think about all this? Well, it's interesting. Uh, 
initially, I mean, even till today, my dad is still, I think, you know, traditionally the Portuguese are very conservative and they, you know, they, you know, especially the ones that have moved over here and they, you know, they have factory jobs or they, they want that nice steady. They want to make sure their families take, you know, is cared for or that they're all mm-hmm. well. And my dad is kind of like, you know, you're crazy quitting your job. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> this is, you know, it's not easy. And it's funny because he's been a small business owner literally forever. He, we have a butcher shop in our family that, that smokes chorizos, farinetas, alietas, salty coins, and he delivers them to New Bedford and Fall River, Connecticut, and Long Island for like 30-something years now. And we used to have a bar, we had a cafe, and it's like, it's funny for him to kind of, it's almost like he doesn't want me to do it because he doesn't think it's a good thing for me to do. Like, what'd you go to college for? And blah, blah, blah. And it's like, this is wow. way harder and more challenging. Wow, <laughs> imagine that. Right. Imagine. And then my mother's side is really com- completely different like it's all like yeah yeah go just try it do it you know and i was raised uh you know more with my 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 mom and my my parents split up when i was 15 and i lived with uh, my sisters and i moved into my grandmother's house whether we had nine people living in a in a house with three bedrooms i shared a bed with my uncle i'm six two 240 and my uncle is not that much shorter than me (laughs) so that queen size bed was tight (laughs) (laughs) isn't that something Oh, this is the, but I, at the same time, you just get used to we're always together. We're always having lunch together, always having dinner together. Yeah. That's really the one thing I miss a lot from back home is that that experience, you know, being being around everybody all the time. Yeah. Oh. So, uh, so you were always together. And so some of the questions we we ask our guests are about, you know, your first food memory and your favorite foods and things like that. So when you were living all together, would your mom do the cooking or would you guys share the cooking? And what are some, what was like your kind of food memories from that time? Or your you know, food memory? interesting. If I go really far back, I don't remember my mom doing as much cooking because she ran the store by herself and my dad ran the bar. So I do remember when we moved in my grandparents, my grandparents were always cooking. My father, my grandfather was on disability. So he would cook for my grandmother. So she'd come back from the factory. She worked at Milton Bradley. She would get back and then he would have, you know, food ready for her. And then we'd all eat. Um, all I remember was how they were able to feed so many people. And I don't mean small guys. We're, uh, I don't know, up north of Portugal. I feel like a lot of Portuguese are known to be short, but my uncles and I were all like, I'm the biggest one, but we're all very much the same, similar in size. And so not the easiest guys to feed, you know, yeah. <laughs> like you say in Portuguese, because I was eating all the time. My, my uncles were always eating. So I was always amazed with how we were able to, they, my, I, my grandfather and my grandmother, and then eventually my mother were able to feed all of us with such a small amount of food. And during those times, it was all my grandmother and my grandfather would cook for the daily lunches because my mom would be working. She worked, uh, she was loading and unloading planes at PWA and Delta. Oh, wow. Double shifts there. Yeah. And then it was later on when my grandparents were getting too old to do this. And my mom, now she, as you can imagine, she busted her back uh, loading and loading those planes. So she became the matriarch. If that's the right word. Like she's yeah. the one now that the glue in the family. So she's cooking for everybody every day. Uh, and then that's where the whole Comey Kala thing came. It was routine. We were always going over to eat. I was always taking pictures and posting them on Facebook. And people were like, oh, my God, Joey, I'm going to have this. Where can I have this? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, come, come, call me college. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so mom was always uh, first was grandparents. Then it migrated to mom. It's almost like she took over those responsibilities to feed everybody. And when I think about the first, you know, the foods that 
I remember as a kid, I mean, I think the thing we ate the most was masa, pasta. Mm. You know, it's because it, it was, that's how you fed everybody. Yeah, it's you know? a lot, it's, it's, it fills you up. And yep. uh, yeah, it, you know, if like, uh, my grandfather loved to like gnaw on the bones of like, you know, like the beef bones and things like that. He'd like, you know, take shaves of meat off of that. And if somebody, if somebody ate steaks or pork or whatever the day before, the next day you chop it up and throw it into a masa. And, you know, we love masa to this day. My uncles, especially my uncle Moose, the English, literally he always wants to eat masa. I think it's just because it was ingrained in him now. <laughs> Isn't that something? Yeah. But that would yeah. be the way that would be the way to feed a crowd. And to yep. fill people up would be with a lot of uh, masa, masinga. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that, that was the more, you know, the non-fancy days. But when she knew people were coming over, she, you know, uh, she wouldn't hold back. You know, it would be a big plate of, I remember one thing she made, I have a picture on Facebook of it, uh, a huge plate of a travesa of carne pork lanchiana. Mm. And then she covered it in shrimp as well, oh my which is not typically in a, in, a, in a lanchiana, but it was like, it's just unbelievable or you know it's 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 the stuff that you would whip up i'm like how are you doing this how do you know how to do this i gotta set up a camera to monitor my mom's cooking and she doesn't really <laughs> write down recipes right you just no, gotta like don't. capture it in the moment <laughs> no they do not no it's uh you know it, it's just incredible when we think about our our loved ones and, and growing up and what they fed us and what brings comfort to us is and how they did it. You know, I always, you know, we talked about this before, you know, with my mom, it was like, you know, they had a small little kitchen and my thought was, and it still is to this day is how they fed so many people out of that tiny little kitchen, but they did. And you just do, you just do what you have to do for your family and the story. So your, one of your first memories is then, or is eating the pasta with the sauces and and all of that stuff. Now, If you had to have your mom make you a special dish for you, would that be it? You would want that for her to make for you, or what? No, would you, ask you know, there's one thing that I, uh, I mean, I'm such a not picky eater. I literally eat everything, and I've always been known uh, to like wolf things down. I'm always the first one done at the table, <laughs> and then I just go like pass out on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> um, the joke, the joke that my, my uncles always make fun of me about is because when my mom would always make like steaks or something, or she'd always make something for me that didn't have bones because I was too lazy to pick out the bones. I just wanted to shovel it in, you know? She wanted for your safety. She had to debone it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So like, I love sardines, right? But I hated deboning, like taking the bones out and things like that. Or, oh. or the bacalhau. I love bacalhau, but usually she'd make bacalhau con natas because there'd be no bones in there. Right. So it's these little little things that she was doing for me um, inside the monster. I mean, That's I would a mother's eat stainless love steel sure. bowls. Right. Stainless steel bowls of cereal. Uh, here's a memory. Uh, when I was in elementary school, because I had such a huge appetite, my mother stopped giving me money to go to buy food. So she knew the ladies that worked in the kitchen and she basically said, just let him run a tab, let him eat whatever he wants. And then at the end of the week, I'll pay for it. And it's not so bad. Like I would eat three. I love the lunches. People make fun of the lunches. I was not high maintenance at all. Pizza, lasagna, chop suey. It's all going down the chute. And then I'd get like, you know, two or three of the strawberry shortcakes. And the lady once even said, Joey, are you sure this is for you? So I took a bite out of it to prove to her that I'm going to eat this thing, you know? It was, it was like that. <laughs> wow. Now, how tall are yeah. you again? 
So yeah, about six two and a half, uh, uh, two hundred, you know, two forty. I was an ice hockey player, not a soccer player like most of my friends were. You were ice hockey player, so you yeah, were burning you were it all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and I love to dance. That's one thing you guys know about me is my oh. mother's family. My grandmother had her own rancho. She was the uh, she was in charge. It was for the Portuguese club back then, and I grew up in that. Like it was my mom at a very young age. I have pictures of her, like showing me how to do the uh, the, the curirinho. And the Batupe and stuff like that. And then I learned how to use the Castagnolas. And now I can use, I can do Castagnolas with my fingers, uh, which is, I don't know how I learned how to do that. It just happened. But so yeah, over the years, I've always been like the first one on the dance floor. And if you knew my mom's family, like all my uncles, it's the same thing. We're all crazy for, crazy for the music. So that was something that kind of got ingrained in me very, very early on. So yeah. Burn all those calories. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. So, uh, so we dance in the Hansha out, out here as well, and we uh, our dances are from the Ribateju, which are super fast. Thank God the songs are short. Yeah. But I will never forget, like my first couple of practices when I first joined the group, I thought I was going to die. I was. It was it's like the best workout ever. <laughs> so um, right. I didn't. I didn't even drink alcohol until I was thirty three. But because I would go to these, I used to crash weddings just to go in and dance. I put no. a tie on. I swear to God, I would go into the Portuguese club, but because it's a small town, you know everybody. They knew that I was really just there to dance, so I would I would go in after they serve food, and I would I would dance. Uh, I used to travel around to go to different festas just to you know because I love you know you're picking up a Portuguese girl, you got to know how to dance Portuguese. That's the way it was. Yes, it is. <laughs> and there was a band, uh, Mili Quatro. Uh, most of the guys are from Connecticut, but then my good friend Dave Costa. He is from Ludlow. I was like a roadie for them. I would go with them just, I would help them set up and dismantle, but I just wanted to go because I know that they'd introduce me as their dance instructor. So then I would go and be able to dance with any of the girls that, you know. That's hilarious. I'm with you. I'm with you though, because in high school, I, my cousins and I, we actually would choose to go to the Portuguese hall and go to the dances there on weekends instead of the school dances. Because you, if you went to the school dance, you were dancing in a circle with your girlfriends as opposed to like dancing with the boys. (laughs) Where if you went to the Portuguese hall, you actually got to dance with partners and dance with the boys. And, you know, there were always, there were always a couple of guys that were the best dancers and everybody kind of fought to dance with them. Like, no, it's my turn. No, it's my turn. Cause you know, they, uh, they knew how to spin really well and everything. And I will even tell oh, you, yeah. I will tell you. So when my husband and I first met, you know, w- we were both young and a little arrogant at the time. Uh, you know, I don't know, maybe <laughs> we get more arrogant as we get older. I don't know, but I will never forget one of the first times we danced a Portuguese song uh, on the dance floor together. And he spun me and he was so impressed that I knew how to spin. And I was like, yes, all those, <laughs> all those years of dancing. It's a big deal. Yeah, no, it was, it was awesome. So um, <laughs> I totally, totally with you on the whole loving to dance thing. And Good. to be honest, so I'm, I'm 41 now. I can't wear high heels anymore because of, you know, just being old and feet issues. But it's not easy. Um, so, but we used to wear like super high heels and dance all night. I don't know how we did it, but man, I will tell you, heels help you dance. They help you spin and they actually like, help you. I, I don't know how you do it either. <laughs> you know, doing all that. So, you know, one of the things that it's kind of, so moving to New York now, it's mostly Latin dancing I do, but I like to, I credit the, the fact that I can go out in salsa and merengue and bachata and cumbia and all that stuff because of what I learned dancing the Portuguese stuff. So like, you know, uma marcha para nós, 
is like the merengue, except the merengue uses a little more butt. It's a little a little yeah. more hippie. <laughs> but one thing that they do that w- that we do that they don't is they spin independently. And, and the Portuguese and, and the Masha, I would spin so fast. Some you know, girls sometimes their feet would lift up, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, what do they call that? <laughs> they lift up. So then when I came here and I was going to the Dominican clubs and they have merengue tipico, which is a really fast merengue, I just jump right in. This is like, you know, well, water for a fish. Yeah. And they're like, dude, are you Dominican? I'm like, no, man. I just, you know, yeah, yeah, Portuguese, yeah. We, we do a similar thing. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So hands down, you and I are ever at a festa together. We have to dance. Even if it's just one. Has to happen. We have to dance. Has to happen. But, and I we will tell a, you, you may have to t- bend over because I'm only 5'2". So it's going to be a little <laughs> challenging. But uh, we'll oh make it God. happen. I'm so, now this is like, okay, I'm looking forward to having the natas and then we got to have a dance. Okay. That is Angela speaking, right? Yes, yes, that is Angela speaking. Angela, I had had a technique where I would, any fest I would go to, I'd always bring a really good female dance partner on purpose so that you could get out, show off, and then this way any girl would say yes if you asked them to dance. They're not going to be like, I don't know if this guy knows how to dance. Yeah. Like, holy shit, I just saw this guy spinning like a top out there. Of course I'm going to dance. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Those are my techniques. We (laughs) heard now it's not a secret anymore. It's out there. We've yeah. made it known. You really, you really <laughs> had this whole uh, dancing, st- like strategically uh, attracting partners, and man, it's Listen, it's not very you often. To, you have to make it. It's not very often you meet somebody, a guy especially, that loves to dance as much as you do. So that's awesome. Right. And if you guys knew my my mother's family, and uh, you know, there, if anybody you ask uh, back in town, they're going to tell you my mother had both her knees replaced. Mm. She's practically. I mean, her bones are like. She had a herniated disc and everything, but I remember she she replaced her knee, and like a week and a half later, she wanted to dance with me at one of the, the dances I was DJing back home. I'm like, are you kidding me? But she's like, no, no, the only one that hurts is the one that hasn't been replaced yet. It was unbelievable. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And I remember having a cast when I was like 19, but I would still dance with a cast on. But then the, the doctor would get pissed at me because he's like, Joey, the bottom of the cast is soft. I know you've been walking or dancing. I'm like, I'm sorry, boss. I can't keep <laughs> the off the floor, man. Well, you know, guys, we have hit that hour mark. Oh, we've, we, we've blown, gone over. Yeah, we've blown past. The- yeah, we've passed. We've it. passed the hour mark already, guys. Um, but So we're going to have to bring this to a close. Um, yeah. This has been wonderful. This has so just this been has really been awesome. I, We're going to have to have you on again. Same here. I think we could fill like hours I, and hours of. Uh, guys, I can talk. I, I'm a storyteller. I can tell you stories. Tell you stories about Portugal. I can tell you Portuguese stories about all over the East Coast. I've been to different festivals. We have a lot of stories there. I can talk. That is for well, sure. We'll, so if you want to fill up another hour, we can definitely do that. Well, keep that us, sounds great. Yeah, we'll we keep definitely need on, to do that. Yeah, keep us posted on where you are. And maybe, because Marie and I have talked a lot about um, doing in-person podcast uh, episodes and when we go see people or go to events or things like that. So, you know, let's let's do that. And then we'll, maybe we'll add some video. And then then we could dance on video. <laughs> It'll be like an yes. I'm telling you, you're on the hook now. Oh, yeah. You're on the hook now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this has been been awesome uh, like maria has said we're so proud of you and just wish you all the best and you know let us know you know as you get the deals with whole foods and all these other things so we can help yes. promote and get the word out there and and then i want to go to whole foods and buy them take a picture you know because that's the one mistake <laughs> well, i made. I really appreciate that that's the one yeah. mistake i made in prepping for this podcast is that i didn't order any joy bats natas and so i couldn't try them before we talked to you so now i gotta go order some but uh no it's been 
awesome. Kudos to you and your family and give your mother a big, big hug for us. And yes. Yeah. It's amazing. I will. I will. Thank you very much. And if she was on this, she'd probably be crying because you know, that's, that's, I inherited that from her too. I've held back pretty well. I'm keeping this conversation going the right direction. <laughs> keep it dry. You're just keeping no, it going. You did really well. You did really well. Thank you. Thank well, you very much, guys. Thank you thank very you. much. And uh, thanks to our listeners out there for sticking with us for the full hour and change, <laughs> however long we've gone. Um, we appreciate your time. And if you haven't subscribed, again, and we say this every time, I'm not sure what you're waiting for, hit that subscribe button. Get your friends and family to subscribe please, please, please write us a review on iTunes uh, that will help us to be discovered and gets us better rankings on iTunes. I know it's a little thing. You probably think it doesn't matter, but let me tell you, it really, really really matters. It really does. Um, And so with that, you know, and if you have suggestions, questions, please email us. We love to hear from those emails. We love to hear from our listeners. And just thanks. Thanks for the continued support. And we love, uh, we love doing this. We love the conversations and, and talking to new people and, and we hope that you love it as well. So Absolutely. with that, uh, we'll say it's a wrap and, uh, até a próxima. Até a próxima. Até a próxima. Okay. Okay. Ciao. Muito obrigado. Eh? Uh, Ciao. Nada, nada. Oh, thanks again for listening to our Portuguese table podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, you can do so on SoundCloud or iTunes. And all episodes can be found on our website at www.ourportuguesetable.com. You can also reach us at feedback at ourportuguesetable.com with comments, questions, or suggestions. Até a próxima! próxima.